How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Manny Diaz Show. Joe Zagacki alongside University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz and my broadcast partner, Don Bailey Jr. Hurricanes coming off a great win against Pittsburgh, 31-19. Virginia comes to town this week, 8 o'clock kickoff at Hard Rock Stadium. But coach first, the Pittsburgh game, old-fashioned, hard-fought game, and uh, you really had to grind that one out. We knew we would. Um, I think it's always that way when you play Pitt. It's going to be two great defensive football teams. They make it difficult to really get anything going. Um, and you know, you, but you know, you got to stay in it because they will also give you the opportunity to hit some explosive plays. And we challenged our team to play great team ball, which means that the defense was going to feed the offense and the offense would feed the defense and special teams would really feed both sides. And the way the game played out, it really was a great example of, of how one side of the ball really benefits the other side of the ball. Coach, a concern was after the Clemson game, Miami loses that game. How is, are we going to react back at home, a noon kickoff, no blimps, no parades, and it was business as usual. You, you mentioned that you had no attitude, no attitude problems, no effort issues, but I saw a couple plays, and I, saw, I know you saw more of them, but I think it's nice to share with our, our, the people who watch this that there was Derek King on his interception, how hard and how fast he tracked the guy that was returning the football. I mean, knocked him out, almost knocked him out of the game. Then I saw Silvera on a play. He got bent over in a yoga pose. I mean, he, he was basically bent completely back. He comes back in. But the one that kind of really got me the, the most was, I think it was Harley with one minute and 45 seconds left. The game is in hand. And he is blocking his guy 30 yards downfield and pushing him out of bounds. I, to see those three examples, and I'm sure there's 30 more, that's got to make you feel great. It really does, and, 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 and it's a great observation. You love seeing tangible elements. Um, Derek, and it wasn't really just on the one interception. On the other interception, you watch Derek, you watch, you watch Cam Harris, you even watch Harley chase that guy down. And, and we told them in a team meeting on Sunday, that was a four-point play because the defense goes out and holds Pitt to three. So their effort on that play really you know, benefited us four um, just to keep it out of our end zone. So that was big. Um, the Jade Silvera, Jade, Jade had, a, you know, was getting examined at halftime and would not come out of the game. You know, I thought his toughness was, was outstanding. And then you mentioned Harley blocking in the fourth quarter. You know, we've been talking about it all year about 
this tempo offense and wearing people down. And again, it's going to be hard against Pitt. They make you grind for everything. But in the fourth quarter, Pitt only had the ball for one minute and 50 seconds. We went on a seven and a half minute drive. We, I think we got the ball with three or four minutes left and did not give Pitt the ball back again. And all of a sudden, we started leaning on them, started getting those runs. And our players could tell that Pitt was starting to just hold on physically because of the heat and the humidity where our guys, we felt like we could have played another quarter. Coach, uh, kind of picking up on, on what Don said about kind of effort and attitude, we touched on this a little bit last week on previous shows with, with an example that the Heat showed you. But if you look around sports today, baseball, the playoffs have been incredible. Passion and energy, nobody in the stadium. NFL, uh, nobody in the stadium, guys playing great passion and energy. Uh, we do have a few people in the stadium, and, and we're thankful for that. But do you see – uh, is that one of the things you're proud of with your team, that they are bringing their own energy, bringing their own passion, and they're finding that their spot for fun is, uh, is game day? Right. They, it, that you couldn't be more spot on. I mean, the sideline is always important, but it is so important in 2020 because you got to create your own juice. You know, when we got our fans there and they're trying to do their part, but it's just not like what it normally is, home or away. And it's not just the people bringing the positive energy. What's really also magnified is if you've got someone that's bringing negative energy. Let's say I'm not playing as much or I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm playing poorly. And those energy vampires on your sideline will, would be even more devastating in 2020. So you've got to have a team that enjoys playing uh, with each other, enjoys playing for each other. And they put in so much hard work. They have sacrificed so much to stay healthy to play these games. Saturdays are our reward. Coach, you talk about a mentality and red zone is a mentality for a defense, and boy, it showed through this past week against Pitt. You, you know, the one touchdown that you give up in the red zone, they start at the one. Not a big challenge for them, but overall, your thoughts on how your defense performed in the red zone? It's one of our goals. Our plan to win is out-tough them in the red zone. And, um, you know, you can do a lot of things when you're out in the field, but when the red zone, that space becomes condensed, harder to throw and catch, and... Um, but, you know, red zone, it starts in between the years because usually something bad has happened to get you to the red zone, right? They're driving the ball. We had a sudden change opportunity. You know, you're usually not very happy to be down there as a defense. But if you can flip that and say, we are going to be happy, we're going to love playing red zone defense, we love it the closer the ball gets more closer to our goal line, then you can find a way to get a stop. And, and there were so many great uh, individual performances down there of just guys giving great effort, making great plays. And as a collective team, we're able to hold them to four field goals. Well, let's say on one of those aspects of the game, uh, you were you going into the game, by the way, you were 12th in the country in red zone defense, so top 15 in the country, third downs. Pittsburgh was three for 17. At one point in the game, you almost held them hitless. They were one for 15 during one stretch of the game on third downs. Vital, vital. And, you know, we know that third downs and, uh, and red zone, both those situations were not our strong suit a year ago. Uh, we've made a major emphasis to, to improve those things. And really on both sides of the ball, we have. Um, but I, again, I think Pitt had two, first, two third down conversions on their first drive of the game. And I think after that, to your point, I think they only had one the rest of the way. So um, sometimes it was coverage, sometimes it was pressure, uh, sometimes it was a combination of both. But again, I thought Blake Baker and our defensive staff did a phenomenal job with our third down plan and our red zone plan to, to win the critical situations, as we like to call it. 
Manny, I'm not sure that people realize the quality of defense that Pitt brought into Hard Rock Stadium. I mean, they were halfway, almost at the halfway point of the season, and they're ranked in every single category in the top 10 or top really two or three in some categories. And you challenged Miami's defense to leave Hard Rock Stadium as the best defense on the field. They accepted that challenge. They did. They wanted it. I think they got tired of hearing about Pitt's defense. And, and Pitt's defense is as advertised. Our offensive players even talked to them after the game. They've got the utmost respect for Pitt on defense. But, um, but there are some issues. You know, they, ha they are a high-risk, high-reward outfit. And, and we saw our three explosive touchdowns was really the key. Pitt could not create explosive touchdowns against our defense. They had to drive the ball when they did have any type of success and we were able to get the stops when we need them. So I got to give our credit to our guys. Uh, they accepted the challenge, and, they, and they, they rose up to it. A couple of things about your offense uh, against that defense. One, uh, 100 yards rushing. Not many people get 100 yards rushing against them. Two, uh, over 30 points, so 31 points. That's a winning combination right there. And then in addition, you had six pass plays of 15 yards or more, and you had four run plays of 10 yards or more. So just enough big play action also to, to get the win. That's right. And actually with the rushing yards, you know, we calculate our rushing yards more like the NFL, the true rushing yards on running plays. We really ran for like 140 on pick because you got because the official stats include sack yardage. You got to take the sack yardage out and apply that to your passing stats because really those are pass plays. So great job really by our offensive line and backs. Pitts can always make it hard to run the football and, and just to get 140 on them when they were giving about 50 a game was was impressive. So proud, proud of those guys. Like I said, Pitt's gonna they're gonna make it tough, but our guys rose up and, and found a way to make it happen. Coach, defensively to Corey Couch, one of his best games of Miami, come up with some big plays, but also let's go to the young guys. To Corey Couch, a couple pass breakups. You see that his play count keeps going up, up, and up. And this young man certainly is not playing like he like he's like he's got youth in his in his veins. Yeah, he's he um, he's a vet now. He's been he's been here two years, so he's an older guy. And uh, yeah, Takori was. Um, it, it turned out they played a lot more four wideouts than they had done all year. So Takori's our nickel. So we had a nickel plan ready. Thought it might be something we'd use six to eight plays a game when they would show the four wide package. And I'm talking about a first and second down. It turns out it, it was it was their number one personnel group through the course of the day. So Takori played a lot, had to compete a lot, had to play a lot of snaps in man coverage, and. Um, and he was phenomenal. He was all over his guy, made big plays, third down, fourth down, whatever it was. So um, proud to see him uh, excel like that. Before we uh, jump into Virginia, let me ask you this one about offense also. You had John Campbell starting at left tackle. You had to make a move at right tackle. Zion Nelson played there. Was, uh, uh, Williams was out injured. Then Will Mowry, of course, without Brevin Jordan. He gets you two touchdown passes. Uh, nice ratio for Will. I think it's five receptions this year and three touchdowns. Yeah. Long may that continue. Got to keep. Obviously, we got to keep getting the ball, uh, get more touchdowns. But uh, we, you know, we love Will. We love his versatility, um, and you know, he's battled through some some bumps and bruises this year. So it's fun to see him get in the end zone. And um, but you know, as you mentioned, really, you know, really down two starters against Pitts, and and then the fact that a guy like Zion has got to go over and play right tackle, which he's never really done before in a game, and and really acquitted himself well over there on the right side. So. Proud of all those guys and proud of the entire offense for finding a way. 31 points on a game we don't feel like we play great is a, is a pretty good feeling. Coach, I'm not going to let this slip by. Your defense held Pitt to 22 yards rushing. Yeah. <laughs> not, I'm not going to let that one go. That's a, that's a great number. That is, it's a big deal. It really is. And uh, it makes it really hard. It, it, and it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback for Pitt or for anybody. If, um, 
if you can't run it and you got to drop back and throw it and, and you know, pit through for 270 or whatever, but but on 50 pass attempts, you know, and we put the quarterback down, you know, three or four times or whatever it was. And so um, really, really proud. But, again, any great defensive performance is going to start with dominating the run game, and, and, and I thought our front was relentless uh, all day. Uh, we have to uh, have to take a quick sneak peek here at Virginia. Uh, 18th meeting between Miami and Virginia. Uh, they will come in desperate. They've lost three in a row. They like to create a lot of havoc on defense. You'd have to imagine you're going to get a very focused Virginia team here on, on Saturday night. Well, you would expect nothing less uh, with their head coach, Bronco Mendenhall. Um, he's an outstanding defensive mind. Um, they always prevent, present problems. Or they can be a 3-4. They can be a 4-3. Um, they've got every little coverage known to man, every blitz known to man. So they're very, very multiple with what they do. And, and to your point, they, they didn't play great a week ago. And so you know that they're going to be really trying to tighten everything up in their week of practice and preparation for us as well. And then offensively, uh, Rob and I is a very creative offensive coordinator. Um, they're going to line up wide receivers in the backfield, tight ends at wide receiver, running backs at wide receiver, guys line up all over the place. And they've had some uh, injuries at quarterback. So uh, they've played some different quarterbacks. And unlike Pitt, who is going to run the same offense regardless of who their quarterback is, they will change a little bit what they're doing and how they're trying to do it based off of who's in. So our players are going to have to know who's in, be aware um, and understand that we may have to have two different sort of uh, mentalities uh, based off who's in at quarterback. Coach, when you look at their line of scrimmage for, for Virginia, their offensive line or older guys for the most part, at least the center and the left-hand side, but they, a lot of those guys have been red-shirted. They're big, they're strong, they're powerful. And then their defensive front historically, and this is no different of a year, they're very strong and move well. Yeah, I don't think um... – in the last two years, I, I don't think anybody's in this game has gotten 17 points. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's right. It's, it's been hard, and I know no one's gotten 20. So it's, it's been tough sledding uh, for both sides. And, um, and, and again, and a lot of the players, as you mentioned, are, are coming back. And so Virginia's got an expectation. Look, they won our division last year. That's right. Right. So um, they got, they, they're building a program in a year where they're expecting to win. Again, like I said, they, you know, injuries I think have kind of knocked, knocked them off stride, but. Um, but it's a wounded animal, and that and wounded animals are always dangerous, and uh, they will have our full respect. More on Pittsburgh and more on Virginia. The Cavaliers here on Saturday night for an 8 o'clock kickoff. We will continue with University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz right after this. Nuts and bolts. Nuts and bolts. I love the nuts and bolts of a football game. However, nuts and bolts in the auto automobile industry, that means the service department, the parts department, and at Williamson Cadillac. When it comes to nuts and bolts, the parts and service departments, and the body shop, they all work together all the time. That's because Ed Williamson knows all about that. He brings his team together as well as anybody in South Florida. Williamson Cadillac has been a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years, and Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. They have fostered goodwill and pride in service. Williamson Cadillac is well known for their integrity and their honesty. And right now, if you are looking for a luxury automobile, may I suggest Williamson Cadillac. You can excite your senses in Williamson's CT sedan series dedicated to performance or the 
crossovers, the XT crossovers. I have the XT4. You can check out the XT5, the XT6, or ride in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. Visit their state-of-the-art facility located at US 1 and 104th Street. It's just south of the Palmetto Expressway, or you can view their entire lineup online at williamsoncadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac is your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. The home of the U, AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM, driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Happy to welcome you back to the Manny Diaz Show. Joe Zagacki, Don Bailey Jr., University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz on Saturday, Miami and Virginia at 8 o'clock, and we'll talk more about the Cavaliers. Well, a revisit to uh, the, the nice win against Pittsburgh sure was a nice way to close out the game, a seven-minute drive uh, with a field goal that went through the uprights. Uh, a couple of things on that. One, uh, the way that you, you finished out the game, and then two, maybe dive into special teams and uh, the way the special teams, both the kickers performed, and how that helps you manage the game now, knowing that you can flip the field position like that. Yeah, let's um... – Let's start with the fourth quarter and, and driving, you know, I believe we we're up by nine and you know how important three points is there to make it 12. Now Pitt's got to score two touchdowns, um, which is a tall order against the way we've been playing on defense, but that's still not a gimme field goal. And to have a guy like Jose Borgales and go in there and, and, and knock it through, it's, it's, just so, it's such a great confidence booster for our entire football team, put so much pressure on Pitt. But when you talk about the entire game in field position, there's a great, there's a great, scenario that sums it up it's really the way we get our first touchdown Pitt drives to around midfield they punt us in deep we have our first play of offense like from the five yard line not ideal right our offense gets a first down which and then they have to punt which doesn't seem great it's actually a big deal we're not punting off our five yard line so we punt off like our 20 and then Headley comes out and bombs it (laughs) and they fair catch it at their 20 great coverage also to force a fair catch so Pitt's expectation they had the ball around midfield punted us deep the next time they had it, they had the ball at their own 20. Defense goes out, gets a three and out. They punt the ball to us. Restrepo fair catches it. They get the kick-catch interference with the 15-yard penalty. Our offense, their last play was on our 20. Their next play is on Pitt's side of the field. And that's where we get the Cam Harris touchdown. And that's where understanding how offense feeds defense by getting the first first down. Defense feeds offense by getting the three and out. And special teams feeds both by the ability to flip the field. And that's really where the points come from. It's not just offense in a vacuum, defense in a vacuum. It was great complimentary ball. And I was proud of all three phases for having a role in that. Coach, we talked about a couple of special players and plays earlier in the ball game, but I think one that uh, you really were, had to be very, very proud of, especially you were a guy that spent a lot of time on special teams earlier in your career, Isaiah Dunson, true freshman. He, he, he's the one that calls off the uh, changes to play on the punt and comes up with a, a spectacular play call and execution. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a two-step process because uh, he recognized they didn't have their normal guys in the shield. And uh, the guy he was lined up on was actually a shield guy because they were bringing him in to crack. And, um, you know, our players have the ability to call off any punt rush we have and, and check us into a defense. And he started doing it. That's only where the fun, the fun just began there because even doing that – they still had a puller coming for him, and if the puller gets him blocked, the, guy, the, the guy's probably going to get a first down because the guys coming out to play defense are still probably too far to make the tackle. And he slips a block. 
uh, puts a shoulder through the guy's thighs and, and gets him on the ground. That's a massive play. We And again, so talk about how offense to defense to, to defense to offense, Pitt, instead of punting us deep, they run the fake. What happens? We stop the fake. We get the ball where? The plus side of the field, we score off of that drive as well. So that's another example of where our offense, who knew they had a hard day against Pitt, we had to pitch in with defense and special teams to short up to set up short fields. We did, but the offense still to take advantage of it, which they did, and that's where our 14 points in the first half came from. When you have a guy punting the way Headley is punting, he's averaging darn near 50 yards a punt. He's in top uh, top 10 in the nation in, in punting. How does it impact the way you manage a game on fourth down? Is it easier to say, okay, well, we don't need to go for it now. We can we can flip the field position here and, and play some defense. Yeah, I mean, you're always going to analyze your matchup against who you're playing to, to come up with those fourth down strategies. Um, but you know when, we, when you got a matchup like we felt like we had with our defense versus their offense – um, the more times you can make Pitt drive it 80, 90 yards against the Miami defense, the odds of them scoring are pretty low. And that's not disrespect to Pitt. The odds of anybody driving the ball 80, 90 yards is pretty low. There's a chart that kind of, you know, has all the data on that. So, so yeah, I mean, you want to, you, you know, we, we'll, we'll always still take, you know, calculated risk. And we feel like going for it on fourth down is the right thing to do. But, uh, but when you know you've got, you know, you can play good defense and you've got a weapon like Louie, it really puts a lot of pressure on the other team's offense. Manny, how about the fact that he can adjust his style of kicking? I mean, he takes that, that long, rounded rugby kick, or he's two steps and it's gone. I, I mean, just his ability to do that shows what type of athlete he is, and I don't think people realize how big and strong he is. Yeah, he, he's, he, he's, he's put together. And, yeah, um, yeah we, we, um, we see it every day in practice. I mean, the guy can punt the ball about any way a ball needs to be punted, and, and it's like a rocket. And uh, I think his confidence in year two mm-hmm. um, is at a much better place. And... Um, and, and again, anytime you're talking about Louie, you got to talk about Clay James, you know, our, our, our long, long snapper who, you know, again, it all starts with, you know, you don't want to have to worry about, worry about where your snap's going to be. So Clay does a great job getting it back there. And, and uh, our guys are taking pride in, in, in covering and protecting, you know, Louie because they know he's such a weapon. We maybe uh, give our fans a rules interpretation. Uh, when he does drift to the right side, Lewis Headley to punt, he has about five yards, right? Uh, out, once he, if he gets outside of five yards, then they can really attack him. Yeah, you do lose your roughing the kicker sort of, you know, you know, force field um, as you start to roll out. Obviously, they can't they can't do anything that would that would qualify as unnecessary roughness. Um, but yeah, if there's if there's a little bit of contact, uh, they won't call a flag out there. So he's aware of that. But that's our job is to keep people off of him, regardless of wherever he is. And when you have a punter like him, you have to sometimes be concerned about outkicking your coverage. So it takes a lot of practice and an understanding with his hang time and distance on how you have to cover the field. Right. Well, that's why the hang time is important. It's not just that he's just, you know, throwing ropes down the field. I mean, the, the, the ball is in the air coming down cold. Um, but we've got great effort from guys. You know, Gervin Hall is a starter on our defense. He wants to be, uh, you know, one of our missiles on punt. To Corey Couch, you know, he broke up all the passes to Corey outstanding effort on running down covering kicks so um it's great for the younger players in our program to see those older guys you know a guy like like Gervin say wow I mean look at this guy getting a bunch of snaps on defense and his strain to cover a kick is massive because guess what as soon as the ball leaves Louis's foot we're all playing defense right so every yard that returner gets is a yard against the Miami defense so we want those guys have the same pride covering that ball as they do playing defense for the Hurricanes. I just want to say I really enjoy the 55- and 60-yard punts, but it is hard on a broadcaster who has to add up the yards <laughs> when it's soaring through the air at the same time he's calling it. Yep. I need a, some kind of calculator. You can just say 
It went far. Just tell him you lost that's sight of it, Joe. Just tell him you lost sight of it. That's pretty right. much the description the other day. Uh, all right, so Virginia comes in here, and we talk about their quarterback situation, and they do want to run the ball, but they have a six foot seven wide receiver. They have a couple six foot seven guys on defense, but they got this kid Davis, six foot seven wide receiver. What, what kind of problems does he present? Well, we don't have any six seven corners, right? right? Um, so he kind of burst on the scene at a coming out party in their opener against Duke. And um, I don't think anybody really knew who he was. Duke probably didn't know much about him. And uh, and as you would you know, suspect, he's an outside lane, fade ball, jump ball type guy. And um, so you got to, you know, with guys like that, there's, there, you know, you got to do a great job with the line of scrimmage. You got to try to, you know, limit their access to get down the field on you um, and just make them, you know, fight for everything that's down there. We do have corners with length, you know, in terms of Ivy and Blades not just with their height, but their arm length, but you're not going to be six, seven. So it's going to come down to a fight. Um, and, you know, and our guys will be up for the challenge, but he's, um, he's any quarterback can throw it high to the outside. And, and so you'll see it uh, for sure. Saturday night. Manny, I'll let Joe say their backs name number 21. He, you know, he practices those names all week, but they're running Talapapa. back Talapapa. He, he's a, he's, he's a guy that's a, a strong runner, but very shifty and they've re- relied heavily on him uh, this season. They do, and and Virginia has, you know, the the names and faces have changed in terms of their skilled players, players and their quarterback. But um, they want to control the ball, and they control it with their run game and their short passing game. That's really what they want to do. They want to possess the football. Um, so you got to do a great job on the run, and then where they really stress your defense from sideline to sideline horizontally is in the quick passing game. You know, they're going to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand fast try to get it to their playmakers where they have some opportunity to turn and run. Um, every now and then they will take shots, and, and you know, you'll see the one down the field of Davis. But, um, but it's always been a challenge because they, they use tons of shifting, motioning, formations to just, again, bang. All of a sudden there will be three guys five yards downfield all turning out showing their hands to the quarterback, and the quarterback can just pick the one um, to get it in there. So um, they, they want to play methodical. Again, a defensive head coach, he knows the best defense that Virginia has is to keep our offense off the field. Um, so it's a great challenge for our defense to not allow Virginia to possess the ball, control the clock, um, and just, you know, and sort of take some of the air out of the game. You know, I, I think one of the fun parts of being in this business, and probably for you as well, is watching the kids grow up as they come in as a freshman and then watching them develop. And, and for us, the last couple of weeks on the show, we've talked with uh, Al Blaze and Nesta Silvera. And you can see how those guys have matured uh, just speaking with them. How about on the field, the impact they're having? Nesta's been a destructive force. Al Blades is the top three. I think he's number two in the ACC in pass breakups. Do you see their maturity? What kind of impact are they having? It's so, it, it is one of the best parts about the job. And really for us, it goes even uh, further back than their freshman year. It goes back into recruiting. You know, a lot of these guys you're recruiting now starting in 10th grade. So to really see where they've really gone from about their 10th grade year in high school to – to where they are and juniors now in college. Um, both guys, number one, the, as pure of a Miami hurricane as you can create, right? Both guys um, bleed orange and green. Um, they do have the the maturity now, you know, to see it's their time. They, they have seen, like very many other guys in their recruiting class, they have seen um, some of the places where the upperclassmen in the last two years maybe didn't um, play their best you know, and provide the leadership needed for the rest of the team. So, you know, I think they've, they've taken it, you know, we had these conversations in the summertime. I think they've taken it a little bit personally to, um, to show the young guys how it's meant to be done, 
you know, and, and it's been fun watching those guys develop. And then, and then the plays on the field, I think, is a byproduct of that. Many a guy that's developing before our very eyes at a young age is Harrison Hunt. Now, there was great, uh, great, great move by you to redshirt him last year, and there's a, a bunch of those guys that you did, but he benefited by that. But now you, see, you start seeing this athletic ability and how he's actually taken over the play every now and then. Yeah, Jared is, um, you know, he's, he's freaky athletic to be an inside guy. But, uh, but as you mentioned, he needed last year to, to get big and strong in the weight room and Dave Feely and his staff and our developmental lift group did a great job with Jared and, and many guys in that class. Jafari Harvey's really mm -hmm. uh, flashing now as well in, the, in, you know, in that same recruiting class. But uh, so Jared's got the toughness. It's not just, you know, his, 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 his movement skills are, are, are off the charts, but, you know, you got to play some big boy ball in there as well when they want to double team you and that type of deal. And, and he's, he's up for that challenge as well. So I think he's getting more and more confident uh, every week he's in there. And, and as a result, his, his playmaking uh, will increase and his role will increase. Well, we'll wrap this segment up with you uh, with this. It's, uh, we're coming to the end of October. Huge game inside the ACC. You're right there in the top four in the ACC standings. It's a Saturday night game, and uh, uh, if all goes well, you finish October uh, right in the hunt with a lot to play for in November with a big prize out there. That's right, you know, and, um, and we, all, we, all we want to be is 1-0 this week. Um, you know, get us into the bye. But what's, what is kind of crazy is that, I guess, I mean, this is our last home game in October, and we, I think we only have two left after this, you know. I mean, and, and, and this, this team is, has got something to it, you know. And um, it's been unfortunate. We have to do the right thing with some of the restrictions of who's in the stadium. But, um, but this is a team worth, you know, coming and watching play and, and supporting in the stands. And we look forward to a great crowd on Saturday night. Um, who knows, maybe in November, December, they'll let a few more people, you know, into the stadium. But uh, we, we cherish everyone that comes um, because this team is special and, um, and, and they, want, they really want to play well together and they want to play well for our fan base. Yeah, I think uh, the fans that will be there on Saturday will be ready to empty their lungs uh, for this squad. Coach, thanks very much. Best of luck. Okay, thank you, guys. All right, that's University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz. Stay tuned. We'll continue right after this. Home of the U, AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. A lot of rain out there, so be careful. The streets are slippery tonight. Still to come on the show, Dave O'Brien, former Marlins play-by-player, -player, now with the Red Sox and the ACC, and a former broadcast partner of mine on a talk show back in the early 90s. Obi joins us at 7 o'clock. Director of Recruiting David Cooney joins us at 725, and Quincy Roche at 745 tonight to wrap things up. The uh, Cavaliers in Miami Saturday, 8 o'clock, we're on the air at 4. They play a, uh, a platoon of quarterbacks, at least as we stand here right now on Tuesday because they had an injury, they had a concussion to their starting quarterback. It's a platoon of quarterbacks, and they do it seamlessly. They do, Joe, and, and that's what's amazing. It's I don't even know how they would divide the practice time up because each one of these guys is a little bit of a different personality as a quarterback. And I mean that as far as the way he physically plays the game. Um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they do. I, I'm not sure they've announced what the deal is with Armstrong yet, but the guy that, that they want in there, especially from what I, what I saw against Clemson, 
is Armstrong. He's big, strong, he's a lefty, and he certainly can run the football. The other guy, uh, Lindell Stone, is not a runner. He is 240 pounds, however. <laughs> and then they have Ira Armstead, who is six foot two. He's a 210-pounder. And then they have uh, Keaton Thompson, a transfer from Mississippi State. He was a four-star recruit. He's six foot four. So I'm putting the bat signal up right now for Amari Carter. When those guys run, hit them low because they run straight up. <laughs> you better give him a warning before we even get started, right? Yeah. But, but you know, the thing is, is that Brendan Armstrong, he, you know, he was named the starter at the beginning of the year by Brocko Mendenhall and is – uh, he's a guy that really had big shoes to fill fill for off of last year, uh, with Bryce Perkins being there. I mean, he, he Perkins gave him two years. Uh, Brendan Armstrong's a sophomore, so they were hoping to maybe get three years out of this guy. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I'm not so sure that he won't be in the game. But you know, he was the one guy that threw for 200 plus yards in each of the first two starts, including he was, what, 269 yards against Duke and 200. He had a 270-yard pass day against Clemson. So, And we know how difficult that is. So he, he's a competitor, and uh, it's going to be an interesting ball game. I don't mind it if he doesn't play because he is their best option. Uh, well, he was described by Dabo Sweeney uh, like Steve Young, maybe because he's left-handed, but he's left-handed, does run, does create a lot of plays, runs you over, does have a good arm, did take, uh, took the hit to the head uh, in the North Carolina State game. So he's been in the concussion protocol since that time, and I don't think they're going to make an announcement on that until later in the week. But last week, trying to cobble together offense, they played three different quarterbacks, and as we mentioned earlier, the now – Stone was the passer. Armstead uh, was the runner, I think. And then Thompson was a little bit of both. Maybe it was the other way around. One of them was the runner all the time, and the other was a little bit of both. They used the Wildcat, and so they uh, they were able to use it very effectively for the most part. They are, and, you know, a, a lot of that is because nobody's prepared for it. But – I think you got to realize that, you know, Bronco, Bronco Mendenhall, even though he is a defensive coach, he's really put together a very, very good staff. And they do a nice job adapting year in and year out because just if you, you look at them from when Bronco's been there, he, I believe he won two games his first year. And I guess it was year four or five, he takes him to the ACC championship game. So this guy really knows what he's doing. He won 99 games, I think, when he was at uh, BYU. And, you know, that's not the easiest place in the world to recruit. And I think he's done a phenomenal job at, uh, at uh, Virginia. But it's going to be interesting to see what they come up with at the quarterback spot, Joe. Yeah, Thompson's more of a runner. He's run 10 times. Armstead, he's only throwing three passes. He's run six times. Uh, and, and, by the way, they don't wear conventional numbers. The Stone, for a quarterback, wears number 36, and he looks like a linebacker. Armstead... <laughs> Armstead. One of them is ninety nine, isn't it? Yeah, well, Armstead is ninety eight, and Thompson is and Thompson is ninety nine. Yeah, I, I thought I was lo- I thought I was losing my mind. I said I said, what are these defensive linemen doing here? I said, is this uh, that's usually a defensive end number? So I have no idea. Yeah, and Robert Anaya, the the offensive coordinator, play caller uh, for uh, Virginia, 
There are a lot of rumors that he did speak with Manny Diaz a year ago when the offensive coordinator job came open. He's been very creative in his career. Goes all the way back into that BYU coaching tree and also connected to Norm Chow. And as Coach Diaz said in our last segment, a lot of movement, a lot of shifting, get guys open, including uh, the guy that wears number four for them, Billy Kemp, who is number one in the ACC in receiving with 36 catches. He's a little bit like Wes Welker. Uh, not a big guy, but finds a way to get open nine catches in the last game. And they just methodically move the ball down the field. So this is a big game again for Miami as we approach the halfway point. And if Miami can get out of this one uh, with a win, they'll be 5-1. and one. And By the way, it's worth reminding people, Virginia was in the Orange Bowl game last year against Florida. Isn't that something? I mean, really, when you think about that, and Miami actually beat Virginia last year, and these – you, you and I have talked about this ever since Miami joined the ACC on how difficult the Virginia game always is for Miami. It, it just seems to never fail. It always goes down to the fourth quarter. Is there, Virginia is very difficult to score on. Uh, Miami has been difficult for Virginia to score on. It's just been very, very uh, interesting series to me. And there, there's a lot of respect there, but – I will tell you, Virginia is never, ever, ever intimidated by Miami. Did you see in the ACC this week, Clemson plays Syracuse. You know what the line is on that game? No. 44. <laughs> Almost. For, 44. I, I, well, I mean. For, 44. You have to go back to, like, Florida State and Duke in the early 90s for a, a line that was higher. I think I, that doesn't surprise me, though. I mean. When you look after seeing Clemson in person and studying like you like you and I did, and you look at how they attacked Miami and the talent that they have, and I think their defense is is really underrated. Now that I've seen more football as each week goes by, um, I think the Pitts defense was underrated, to be honest with you, and is still underrated. But they, what they did to Georgia Tech and I think the the thing that is shocking to me is what they did in the first in the first half of that game. You know, so the second half in a ball game like that, you, you kind of let thing, you look at everybody on the field. But that game was over with at halftime. I mean, completely over with. I think uh, I think there is a little more to that score. Uh, that they they scored seventy points on Georgia Tech. That is a little bit of a rival game, Clemson and Georgia Tech. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and here's what I think it it was. Uh, because Dabo Sweeney does not really run up the score on anybody, but that was – and he even played the punter at quarterback. The but backup he, punter, wasn't it? Back, was... <laughs> I'm, uh, Herbst, I know. I think Herbstreit's kid got into the game. But it, it, it was 70 points, and you know where Clemson does a lot of their recruiting? Right is in Is in Georgia. Oh, yeah. And in the outskirts of Atlanta. And you know what Jeff Collins is trying to make – a point of is recruiting close to home. And I think that was a little message to people, to the recruits in Atlanta. Uh, by the way, we're going to keep knocking on your door and just let you know who's, who's king of the hill. Yeah, I, I know, I know uh, Georgia Tech, you know, they all wear that, uh, that area code on their shirt there and, and are really trying to pump up that, that area. And I don't blame them. I mean, it's a hotbed for recruiting, but I think, I think you're right, Joe. Uh, Dabo says, "Hey, l- let me let me let you know this. This stadium is about a two-hour ride from uh, from our deal. Uh, this is still our neck of the woods." 
Yeah. North Carolina plays North Carolina State this week. That's a big rival game, uh, obviously. Uh, I don't think they – I think they're only allowing parents and relatives into the stadium. Uh, but State is will be Miami's next opponent after, after Virginia. If they both win, then uh, that would become a – that would become a game for uh, who is right behind Clemson because Miami's uh, in tied for fourth. It's Right now in the standings, it's Clemson, Notre Dame, NC State, Miami, North Carolina are tied with the same record. So if, if Carolina beats State, then that kind of knocks State out of the, out of the race. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. I, I mean, you, you think that North Carolina goes against Florida State last week and loses that football game, and, and – they had a chance to win it, right? I mean, there, there were some drops and some misplays where they could have they could have beat Florida State, and now you you finish that game and you got to go deal with a rival. Uh, one week later, North Carolina was sitting sitting perfectly, and you know NC State's been on a bit of a roll now. I don't know what the status is with their quarterback. No, he's out. So, he broke his out. legs. Yeah, he yeah, broke so. his legs, so he's out. That's that's a that's a that's an advantage for for Florida State. Yep. All right, Miami and uh, Virginia on Saturday night at Hard Rock Stadium. 8 o'clock kickoff will be on the air at 4 o'clock. We'll all be on the air at 4 o'clock for this one uh, on Saturday. When we come back, Dave O'Brien, Obi joins us, and we'll talk about the ACC and this game coming up with Dave O'Brien coming up next. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.